got me thinking, you know, where do we really truly add value to a client's life? And initially, I was pretty much against financial planning because I really didn't understand it or I didn't understand the value that it provided. Becoming a millionaire isn't just about growing your money. It's also about protecting and preserving your wealth by using the right financial strategies for your situation. Welcome. This is Middle Class Millionaire with John Choi. John has his Master's of Science in Financial Services and is a certified financial planner and the president of Epiphany Capital. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. It's Middle Class Millionaire with John Choi and myself here to talk about a, actually a two-parter. We're going to break up what is financial planning, and we're going to do that over the next couple of episodes, so we're going to spend some time. I, I think with John's got kind of six pillars uh, we're going to go through. I think we're going to go through three of those today, and then we'll do three on a future episode or the next episode in a couple of weeks, so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you can catch all of that. And of course, John is a certified financial planner, so who better to talk to us about this topic? And if you've got some questions, need some help, as always, make sure you check with a qualified pro like John. You can find him online at johnchoy.net. That is johnchoy.net. What's going on, my friend? How are you this week? Good. The weather's turning warmer, so we're looking forward to summer and golf season and all of oh, that yeah. stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. This is our uh, this is our second May episode, and uh, like I said, we're going to break this into a two-parter. So what is financial planning? What got you uh, thinking about this topic? It's a great question, and I was trying to figure out what value do we add as investment advisors, mm-hmm. financial planners? Because if you look at the industry, uh, most of the financial professionals out there really focus on one area, and that's investment planning. So they have a model called assets under management. They charge a usually about a percent, percent and a half of the assets they manage. Right. And they, they stay in that lane, right? And they, they rarely go outside of that. But I, I wanted to see uh, where we can add value besides that area. And so that's what got me thinking about it. I gotcha. Okay. And and as I mentioned, you said you kind of had kind of six pillars we were going to kind of talk about, for lack of a better term. And so what are the three we're going to cover this week? And then what are the three we're going to cover on a future episode? And then we'll kind of just redirect into these three. Yeah. So the six pillars are the general financial planning principles, and then insurance, investments. And then in the next episode, we'll cover taxes, retirement, and estate planning. Okay. So... Gotcha. Yeah. So let's let's start with the first one. Let's, let's talk with the general principles. Yeah, you know, and just as a, a way of introduction, and I, it's you may not know this, but I was that AUM guy and the insurance guy, the investment guy, and uh, it got me thinking. You know, where do we really truly add value to a client's life? And initially, I was pretty much against financial planning because I really didn't understand it, or I didn't understand the value that it provided the client. So back in the old days, we would uh, do a financial plan. It would be comprehensive. We'd pay, we would uh, print out a 125-page report. We'd bind it up in a nice binder and we'd give it to the client and right. say, here you go. Here's your war and, and peace novel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and depending on the, the kind of binder you put it in, if you went to Office Depot and you got one of those cheap plastic binders, you'd, you charge a thousand. But 
if you got one of those nice leather bound embossed with the client's name, that was like five or 10 grand that we would charge. Holy but moly. The guts of it. Yeah. But the guts of it was, was all the Still same. Still the thing. same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I was like, you know, that really doesn't provide any value to the client. No one's really going to uh, read through that. And by the time they walk out with it, honestly, it was, was kind of obsolete. Right. Mm. So that was like, mm, this doesn't really feel like I'm adding any value to it. So gotcha. I just want to maybe start off by going over what the CFP board defines as financial planning. And they spent a lot of time and money and energy into these words. And, and what they found out or what they came up with uh, was that financial planning is defined as a collaborative process that helps maximize a client's potential for meeting life goals through financial advice that integrates relevant elements of the client's personal and financial circumstances. Okay. Now, I know that, uh, that that sounds like a mouthful. <laughs> right. That sounds like a mouthful. Has a little, but, little of that corporate wordy feel, but yeah. 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 But I, I think the key words really to um, uh, focus on here is that it's a collaborative. I, I was going to say that was the first thing that struck me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it, it's it's supposed to be back and forth. It's not supposed to be something like, well, here's your plan. This is what I say. And you you <laughs> have to follow all the all the steps, and there's there's no deviations, no exceptions, uh, no excuses. You just do what I tell you to do, right? Yeah. So, and, and I'm not one of those guys. I I didn't like that. So I, I really like the word collaborative, and mm-hmm. that's kind of a buzzword these days too, right? Collab. Everyone collabs on songs these days. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. So, um, and then further, uh, the board says that um, a CFP professional is required to provide financial planning in these three circumstances. And um, these three are when the CFP professional agrees to provide or provides financial planning. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, or number two is when a client has a reasonable basis to believe that the CFP professional will be providing or has provided financial planning. Mm, okay. But I like the third one. It says, when a CFP professional agrees to provide or provides financial advice hmm. that requires the integration of relevant elements of a client's personal and financial circumstances in order to act in the client's best interest. Yeah. And as you can see, uh, that last one, the number three, it's a pretty broad and all-encompassing definition of when we are required as CFP professionals to provide financial planning. And in fact, I would argue that financial advice done right is really comprehensive financial planning. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's what got me thinking about it. And I just wanted to go over, like I said, the first three pillars first, and then I'll just give you some examples of how and where um, the value came in. And I'm, I'm just going to um, maybe tell you a few stories and some of my experiences. And as I study and I read and I teach this stuff, um, where, these, where these experiences come from. Okay, so, go for it. Yeah, so let's hit, um, let's hit the general finances first, okay? And so the... The key uh, question uh, when we first get together in retirement planning or as an investment advisor was, hey, how much money do you need uh, for income uh, when you retire? 
And some people know how much they need per month or per year, but a lot of people are like, mm, I, I don't really know. I think it's this. And so they'll say like, oh, we make uh, $200,000 a year as a couple. Okay, yeah. cool. And yeah, how much and do you spend? Yeah, we're spending five grand a month right, or whatever. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll say something like, yeah, well, we're spending five grand a month. Yeah. I said, does that include taxes? Yeah, that includes taxes. Okay, so you're saving $140,000 a year? And they're like, no, no. way. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that number crazy, man? <laughs> right. And you're so like, well, I said, <laughs> yeah, it's, you've either spent it or you've saved it. So where's it at? Right, 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 right. So most people don't have that number pinned down and they say, Oh yeah, I forgot about this and I forgot about that and, and this and that. So I think the first thing that we need to create is is really a an accurate cash flow statement. And that's that's you know, step I don't want to say step one, but it's one of the critical steps is that we kind of know where the money's going, how much is being saved, how much is being sent or spent, I should say. Yeah. yeah. And and then that'll give us a um an idea of of well, we need in you know, and John, some people hear that and they immediately start to shut down because they go, well, that sounds like you want me to live on a budget. And it's like, no, this is just a simple in and out. It's just a simple cash flow. It's not a budget, right? So you hear buzzwords like, okay, fine, we'll call it a spending plan, right? So that you feel better about it. But you, you do need to have the basic understanding of what's coming in and out to your point because many people vastly under, you know, undervalue that. Oh, and underestimate it, right? Yeah. So, like yeah. that first example is they they think they're spending sixty grand when they're spending one hundred and eighty, and they're like, "Whoa, where is that coming from?" So, right. Um, the other I think important document that you really need, and it's it, it's it's a net worth statement, right? And so, generally speaking, I find I find that in a two person household, right, husband and wife, and you know they'll have some kids perhaps. But there's always one financial spouse, and then there's always one that doesn't have any interest, or they're not financially savvy, or they just don't want to go near these numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think a net worth statement is nice in the sense that you have this one-page snapshot of where all your money is, and usually the non-financial spouse says, oh, okay, cool. And if I ever need it, I'll dig it out, but it's nice to kind of know and kind of have where we stand, right? I think that's a that's a good idea, and and that really leads, uh, I think, to uh, something that I call an in case of emergency or an ice kit, right? So, financial spouse sun, suddenly something happens to them. Uh, I'm getting older, right? I'm I'm going to more funerals than weddings, and people my age are dying, unfortunately. Mm, and mm. so, uh, and I know you're in the same age group I am, so yep. I, I think you can relate to that. But, oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, people our age and in, in their fifties, they're 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 dying, uh, and the usually the non financial spouse is left holding the bag. It, it seems to be Murphy's law, right? The the one who passes away is the one who's just like just handles that kind of thing for whatever reason, right? And there's they they don't know. Um, I mean, look, my my electric bill, right? That's that's under my name, and if we wanted to shut off service. My wife couldn't even call them and and shut off service. Though they would be like, "You're you're not on the account." Can you imagine, like, if they went to a bank and she's trying to get some money out of, let's say, I had an individual account. Oh yeah, uh, they're not going to give her access to that. They're yeah. not going to give her. Anything. You know, that's that's a that's a really good point you brought that up, John, because I was just sharing this story uh, with an, uh, another show I was doing uh, earlier in the week, 
and the where I live, the home that my wife and I live in now, we bought it about seven, almost seven years ago. And the lady we bought it from, her husband passed away unexpectedly. They were in their early 70s. And it took her three years. So we wound up actually spending a lot of time with her instead of the normal kind of buying process where you never see the person or you see them like for five minutes and that's it. Um, we actually went, met, met with her several times and she showed us some of the upgrades and she was showing us some of the, she had like kept manuals for everything she had put into place <laughs> and she was a really sweet lady, but she was telling us how she spent three years. Uh, she never grieved the loss of her husband because she had to go right into this mode of trying to fix everything that they was left behind because they had no plan. They had no strategy. Everything was in his name and it was just a hot mess for her. And it took her three years to clean it all up. It kind of blew my mind and stuck with me. I, I, I can't believe that. And, and if you are the financial spouse, that's one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your, yeah. your other spouse and, and, to, and to your kids say, Hey, this is where everything this is. This is where everything is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she and, said and she would don't, have loved to have been able to just sit and grieve him, but never never really got the chance, you know? And that's sad. And, and, and you don't have to keep a paper copy of it. I mean, some people want to have a paper copy of it. Great. We've made such huge strides in financial planning software right, and right. what we call fintech, financial technology, that... I like that. These that's software cool programs are... That's a cool word. Fintech. Yeah, fintech. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, it's a huge thing. It used to be like maybe... Uh, eight software companies that did something. Now I look at the financial planning or the financial uh, fintech map and there's probably 150 different companies nice. that, that do various things. Some of them are really niche products. But anyway, and the other thing I think is proper titling of assets and beneficiaries. So, you know, if you're married and you've got a house, you know, tenants by the entirety, especially um, for high... Uh, high risk professions like physicians, right? My wife is a physician. Mm -hmm. Our house is, is in tenants by the entirety because if something happens and they go after the house, well, they can't really get it because it's tenants by the entirety. So something mm. really as simple as that, as, as titling, um, can really save heartache and headache and and, and money. Yeah. Um, Great point. And, yeah. And there's that, and, and, that's and that a lot of that minutia and the, the nuance that a lot of times people maybe do with do as yourselfers just don't realize there's so many things out there. Oh, so many. Yeah. And, and you hit the nail on the head. You know, I, there's a, um, uh, I have a colleague uh, down in Florida, and this is uh, speaks to proper designation or proper beneficiary designation. Mm -hmm. He had a client. And he used to work for a large company and they took out a huge insurance policy on him. I think it was like $20 million. And wow. initially the beneficiary was the company and he separated service from the company and the company's like, here, why don't you buy out the policy? And he did. Um, and cause he needed some insurance and it was $20 million policy mm -hmm. and he never changed the beneficiary. And my client, my, my colleagues like, Hey, look, you got to change the beneficiary to your wife and your kids. And he's like, ah, get around to it. I'll get around to it. <laughs> he's calling, it, right? he's calling and he's emailing and he is doing everything in his power, humanly possible to get him to change the beneficiary. And he's like, ah, he's dragging his feet. I'm fine. I'm only like 62. Nothing's going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what happens next, right? He catches oh, COVID, and he's 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 one of these guys that say, "Ah, you know, I'll I'll die in the hospital. I'll just you know tough it out at home." Well, he dies mm. 
from COVID. Yeah, that's and yeah, it's a sad story. And his um, and he tells me he never changed the beneficiary. He says the day of the funeral, the day of the funeral, the son calls and says, "Where is where do I, you know, file the death claim?" And he says, "Look, I've I've tried to get your dad to change the beneficiary." Right now, it's it's the company, and there's nothing you can do about it. He says, "What?" Mm. He says, "Yeah." And so the company gets twenty million dollars in death benefit, and they Yikes. go, "Well, we're going to sue the company." He goes, "Well, you can do that. Right. You're not going to win." Um, and and just that little mistake costs that family twenty million dollars. I mean, that's and it happens all the time, and it's such an easy fix. You know, we've we've talked about that in the past on prior episodes as well. It's like some of these things are just tiny little fixes that you can do. And if we're talking about some general financial principles here on this first uh, kind of bit of what is financial planning, this is some easy, low hanging fruit that you can certainly correct and save your family heartache. Yeah, it's just it's unfathomable. And you know, you talk about. How do we add value? Like the investment guys that that just manage your money, they're mm-hmm. not going to have these types of conversations. Right, and, I, right. and I'll get around to that. But that's the value that a true comprehensive financial planner is going to add. And it's just to have these conversations to say, have you thought about this? Ha- has this been done or has that been done? Maybe the DIY folks will do that. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But I know a CFP professional will. Yeah, I think guarantee. the DIYers, John. I think we we've been so blessed with a, a good market, you know, up until twenty two. You know, we had a thirteen year run there, and there's just been a lot. Of, and the technology does make it a lot easier. I mean, if you want to do your own taxes, you certainly can now fairly easily. There's a lot of pieces, but I think what the DIYers are learning, especially once they cross fifty is, all right, there's a lot of minutiae to the retirement thing than there is to just that, that accumulation phase. And oh, that's, yeah. That's and we'll, hit that, and we'll hit that in the next episode. For that's sure. part For two. Sure. That's coming yeah. up. Yeah. And so the next pillar is insurance. And when, when I say insurance, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. Okay. So there's you know life, disability insurance, there's health insurance, there's um, property and casualty insurance, uh, and I'll just call that PNC insurance. Uh, and I don't sell PNC insurance, but I will look at their documents on the PNC side of it. One of the examples that I give is, let's say you owned a business and it's a manufacturing place or it's a warehouse or something. You own that building, right? Mm-hmm. And you bought it years and years and years ago when it was worth, like, we'll make up a number, $300,000. And you bought insurance on it in case it burns down. You did the responsible thing, but you never really, you never really reviewed it, right? And so, fast forward twenty years, and now that warehouse or that building is worth a million dollars, and you've never updated your insurance. Now the insurance coverage is co- covering that building for three hundred thousand, and that's it. And so, if it burns down, guess what? It it'll take a million dollars to rebuild that building, and you've got only three hundred thousand dollars to do it. So. That is something that really needs to be addressed. Gotcha. Okay. As you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll review that and say, hey, you know what? Why don't you talk to your PNC insurance agent, uh, your State Farm guy, or your you know nationwide guy, whoever, and say, hey, let's let's get this updated and let's get this reviewed. Uh, again, I don't sell the stuff, but it, it's just something that needs to be done. Yeah. It can be, it can be a valuable thing, right? Of course, and, and I find that insurance guys, insurance only guys, or you know, investment guys, 
if they don't sell it, they're not going to talk about it. And so, because why, why waste the time, right? There, there's not going to be any business out of it. There's no value to them. So they, they just kind of gloss over it or, or skip over it. Here's another example that, that kind of scared the heck out of me because, you know, nowadays everyone's doing these uh, Ubers and Lyfts and DoorDash oh, and yeah. all that oh, stuff, yeah. right? And um, I know Uber and DoorDash, they have this liability policy. They, they, it comes with it. And I, I think it's a million bucks. So just in case like you're on a delivery, you hit a, you skid on the ice, you hit a guy and, and you're covered. But what if you work for, or what if your son has a side gig? They're in college. They're trying to scrape up some money. He's got a little job, works, you know, four hours a week or whatever. And he's right. delivering pizzas for a mom and pop pizzeria. Are they going to have that, that coverage? Maybe, maybe not. But if you find that out and you say, hey, look, we need to add some sort of an endorsement to our auto policy that's going to cover these pizza deliveries in case he sideswipes a BMW or, or, or worse, like hit somebody, then you can be covered. Then you can be covered. Otherwise, they will say, sorry, you were using this as a commercial vehicle, not covered. And now you're out of pocket for that BMW. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that's something to watch out for. And those are the conversations that we would have in the insurance area. So okay. again, and also uh, proper beneficiary designations, right? As, as we just, uh, as we just learned. So, right, right. Okay. All right. So then let's, uh, let's wrap up here with one more. And then what's the final pillar to talk about this week? So that's the investment pillar. And this is where I think most people are familiar with because their financial planner or their financial advisor, they, they're usually the investment guys and that's kind of their lane and they, they stay in their lane and they're pretty good about it. And so what happens is that you give them a million, million bucks, they'll charge a percent, whatever it is, the, and, and they'll manage their money. And, um, everyone says that, that risk is important in their portfolio, but there's really no way that they're gauging uh, how much risk that they're taking in their portfolio. So they just say kind of like, hey, the professional handles it, so on and so forth. But when I've you know done an audit of these investment portfolios, it, there's just no rhyme and reason to, to a lot of them. And ironically, here's the thing is that in the whole six pillar financial planning area, investments is really, it provides the least value Um they they might provide 30 or 50 basis points of value but beyond that they're not providing a, a whole heck of a lot of value as the entire financial planning picture because how do i put a number on that beneficiary uh designation that the guy didn't have for the 20 million dollars right how do i provide a value on the emergency in case of emergency kit you, you really can't you really can't do that but I'll tell you, whether you charge 1.1% or 1%, that 0.1% is going to be meaningless when you get everything when you get everything right and you have all of those insurance policies, your, your business insurance, your delivery car, as I, as I just spoke about. When that gets done right, those are, those are costs that are really, they pale in comparison to the value that we provide on that. So. All right. So there you go. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. So, again, if you think about this, you know, what is financial planning? Uh, as we talked about, we wanted to break it down into some stories and some conversation. And I think we shared some good stuff with folks around general financial principles and insurance and 
uh, you know, investing and the value really that it kind of brings to the clients. And so we're going to follow this up, John, uh, with the rest of this conversation in, in a couple of weeks on part two of what is financial planning. We'll talk about some more components to think about. So if you have not yet subscribed to the show, consider doing so. You can find us uh, Middle Class Millionaire on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever podcasting platform app you like using. Just type in Middle Class Millionaire. Or you can just find it all at John's website, which you should check out anyway. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources. And if you need help and you've got questions, get onto the calendar with a certified financial planner. Uh, John is a CFP and the president at Epiphany Capital. So johnchoy.net. That's John johnchoy.net. johnchoy.net. Thanks for hanging out, my friend, and sharing some uh, insights and some conversation. Look forward to part two coming up soon. Absolutely. That'll be another fun conversation. As always, man, I appreciate your time here on Middle Class Millionaire, and we will see you on the next podcast. Take care, folks. Epiphany Capital is a registered investment advisor, RIA, located in the state of Illinois. Epiphany Capital provides investment advisory and related services for clients nationally. Epiphany Capital will maintain all applicable registration and licenses as required by various states in which Epiphany Capital conducts business, as applicable. Epiphany Capital renders individualized responses to persons in a particular state only after complying with all regulatory requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption or exclusion.